the king of the New Testament epistles, and for good reason. The letter is all about God and the good news that no matter who we are or what we've done, though we're all sinful and well-deserving of God's judgment, we can be saved from God's wrath simply by trusting in God's Son. We are put right with God through grace, through faith. Salvation is a gift from God. This is the message of Romans. Now let's join Pastor Ross with our verse-by-verse study through this incredible book. I welcome you back to your seats. Thank you very much. Good job, guys. All right, we are headed to Romans chapter 10 to pick up where we left off. We're in the middle of the chapter. And uh, let's go to the Lord and ask him for his help. Now, Father, we always like to acknowledge the presence of the Lord here. We can't do anything apart from Jesus' intervention and help in our hearts and lives to not only understand what's before us, but to put it into practice to be a blessing. So help us and may the result of our time together yield good fruit for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, you've heard people say excuses, excuses, and uh, because we are so prone to make them, right? And so people use three types of excuses when uh, they are guilty of wrongdoing. And the first one is outright denial. So a complete rejection of any involvement whatsoever, even when caught red-handed. And it's obvious to everybody, video cameras <laughs> caught it. It doesn't matter. They still just refuse to admit guilt. And then the second uh, very common uh, strategy is the guilty person shifts the blame So they say, it's not my fault, and they look around to blame another person uh, or an extenuating circumstance, a loved one, a coworker, or whatever. And then the third one is to actually admit that they did something wrong, uh, but then the person attempts to justify the bad behavior. So it's actually a good thing that you did what you did, right? So the, the motive was good, and the expectation was the problem, right? And so now some, uh, one of the authors I was reading on this said that it's most common to progress really through all three phases, to deny, to excuse, and to justify. It's sort of in our DNA. You'll recall back in the garden, the biggest tragedy of all, when God came calling, looking for responsibility, you know, first he goes to Adam and says, what is this you've done? And Adam says, you know, well, the woman you gave me. <laughs> so he, he opted for a twofer, you know, he got two for the price of one there. And then he went to Eve and the Eve said it was the serpent. He deceived me in, into eating 
Uh, and so that's the old, the devil made me do it, which, you know, got a lot of uh, airtime back in the 70s. If you're that old, you'll remember the show Laughing and Flip Wilson. And so we follow in our parents' footsteps in every way possible, always wanting to blame somebody else instead of ourselves. Now, here in Romans chapter 9 and 10, uh, we, Paul has been asking the question, who's to blame uh, regarding Israel's, as a whole, rejection of their own Messiah? Whose fault is it? Did God fail his covenant people? And the larger, wider, and perhaps more helpful application of these chapters for us uh, when looking for blame for in unbelief is, is that we, we do have an understanding of what's going on in somebody who remains, who chooses to remain an agnostic or an atheist in the light of creation, conscience, and the gospel in this world. And so maybe this message could be entitled The Anatomy of Unbelief, because we're going to take a look at that uh, this morning. Is there a legitimate excuse for any human being to remain in a state of unbelief? Let's talk about that, starting at verse 16, uh, by looking at the example of Israel as a nation. And so... Our text reads, starting in verse 16, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. So he had just said, wow, the message is easy. The message is accessible to all. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How easy is that? And then he says, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. That's really an understatement there. For Isaiah says in Isaiah 53:1, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Is that the problem? Well, of course they heard. Uh, quoting now Psalm, 14, Psalm 19, verse 4, their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So, of course, they've heard. Verse 19, Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? Is that the problem? Well, first, Moses writes, I, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. That's in Deuteronomy 32, verse 20. And Isaiah, now we're to the second illustration. And Isaiah boldly says in chapter 65, I was found by those who weren't seeking me. I revealed myself who didn't even ask. Verse 21, but concerning Israel, <laughs> bum, 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 here's, here's the problem of an unbelieving heart, whoever you are. All day long, God speaking, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate person slash people. There is the crux of the matter, which we're taking a look at this morning. That's your text. We can leave it up here as we get uh, situated. So yeah, excuses, excuses, excuses. We have them in our marriages. We have them at work. We have them in our day-to-day -day situations. And we have them in with God 
in our spiritual lives as well. So here in chapter 10, as I've been saying, in the preceding verses, as I alluded to, Paul's been shooting down some of the excuses um, for unbelief, right? And so the first thing he said, uh, is the gossip just too exclusive? Well, he said, not at all. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, is the problem that it's just too difficult? And he said, no, that's crazy because it's as close as a, a simple pinch of faith and a, a simple change of heart. So it's not too hard. And so now Paul continues to chisel away at two more excuses, again, using Israel as an example. So that's our passage uh, this morning that really divides quite nicely into two paragraphs with two excuses. Excuse number one, which will be the crux of the message. Uh, maybe they hadn't heard the message, and that will be 16 through 18. And then the second one will be, Maybe perhaps they didn't understand what they heard. So uh, the, those are the concluding verses, which we'll simply paraphrase and just kind of use as a conclusion. So uh, the majority of the sermon is in point one. So, so I didn't know or I didn't understand on Judgment Day, not gonna fly. So let's dive in and find out why. <laughs> All right, so why, why don't we do as you've already done, uh, and beautiful job, Spence, thank you. Isolating verses 16 through 18. Is it that unbelievers like the nation of Israel in their temporary current state of unbelief, because all of Israel will be saved by the end, but... Is their problem today and in ancient times just that they hadn't heard? It's a lack of information. That's why people don't come to Christ. Or does the problem go deeper? Well, the problem is not with the ears. Let me paraphrase, and you sort of follow. I'll call out the verse, and I'm paraphrasing to help you understand what's going on here. Yes, the gospel is easy, but verse 16, not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who, who out there has believed our message? It's a rhetorical question, of course, meaning not many. Verse 17 says, so then, as I've been saying, faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ, and from Christ, verse 18, but could it be that people of Israel had not heard the message? Of course, of course they did. Just like it says there in Psalm 19, the message has gone out throughout the whole earth and their words have reached the whole world. Now what I want to point out really is NIV's weakness in accepted the good news. Not all have wel welcomed it or accepted it. The word in King James Version has it better with uh, obeyed. The word is to, yes, to welcome, yes, to uh, acquiesce, yes, to come under. The word has a strong nuance of obey that God commands people to believe. So you have to stop thinking of 
belief or unbelief as, you know, it's optional. You know, you have to gather information. You have to do this. You have to feel something. No, no, no. It's a straightforward commandment of God. When Jesus says, it says in Matthew, the opening chapters, that when the time came, Jesus stands up and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's in command form. And in Acts chapter 17, when Paul was in Athens, he said, you know, in the early days and ancient times, God overlooked all these shenanigans of unbelief. But in these days, since Christ was manifest among us, he commands that people everywhere repent and believe in Christ. And so you have to start thinking of the message of the gospel as a command to believe and unbelievers, not in a state of unbelief, they're in Bible's terms, they're in a state of disobedience. They are doing something wrong that they fully know is wrong. According to the Bible and Romans chapter one and all of this that we're looking at. And so verse 17 restates what he's been saying, how The gospel will awaken faith in the human heart. If you do nothing, if you do not hinder it, it will awaken faith. But if the message comes to you and it's trying to awaken faith, you have the option to suppress the truth. And those who do not believe do not have unbelief so much as they have suppression of the truth. It is a willful unbelief, otherwise it wouldn't be culpable. It wouldn't be, they wouldn't be accountable for it. And so he goes on to say, hearing the word of Christ can mean there, in order to awaken faith, hearing the word of Christ uh, can mean the word about Christ. So they have to know all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They're appointed, uh, there's an appointment to die and then face God in judgment, but God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the God-man came, laid down his life on their behalf, took their sins upon his shoulders, died, appeased the wrath of God, dead, buried, resurrected on their behalf, and therefore offers eternal life to whoever has faith. That's what the word of Christ, when that word of Christ comes out, it will awaken faith in the heart, unless, of course, it's suppressed. Now, the word of Christ uh, that we need to awaken faith also means the word from Christ himself who preaches through us. When you give the word of life out to somebody and you share your testimony, that kind of thing, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 says, it is dull, Christ himself from within our lives where he dwells by the Holy Spirit. Christ begs through us. We are his ambassadors as if Christ himself were begging through us, be reconciled to God. He who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf that we might become right with God. And so a simple message spoken into the ears goes into the heart and kaboom, eternal life will happen when it's simply obeyed, 
Now, he says, not everybody chooses to obey. And there's lots of reasons for that. Take Israel, for example. He says in verse 14, yeah, he came to his own. 300 prophecies giving them a heads up and his own shut the door and hung a little do not disturb uh, sign outside the little door handle, especially Gentile solicitors. <laughs> no. Oh, they love. And I'm a Jew, just in case you didn't know that, so that I can speak a little bit stronger than, uh, and get away with it, I hope. You, you know, um, but, you know, they love, they love the I'm a Jew card. When the gospel comes, I'm a Jew. Just, just, they just take the I'm a Jew card and lay it down. And, to, and that tells you just don't tell me anymore. But they've already heard. They've already heard. Everybody you ever ask in America has the general understanding of what the gospel is all about. They might not have all the details right, but they know as the Bible says. The Bible says there's no such thing as an atheist, and if you have a problem with that, uh, you'll have to argue and email the Apostle Paul. Because <laughs> <laughs> Romans chapter one, I'll give you his email address afterwards. <laughs> All right, so uh, God saw that this message, this gospel, this Messiah would not be well received 700 years before he became one of us. And he prophesied through Isaiah uh, about this unpopular gospel that wouldn't be a hit. Uh, who has believed our message is a rhetorical question for not a whole lot of people. And then he says, and I have that isolated Spence there in Isaiah 53, the whole sentence, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That is the second part. That's the problem. Now, the arm of the Lord had been revealed, what, <laughs> 1,400 years of power and intervention and miraculous things, manna and 10 plagues and pillars of fire and, and God who's fighting with their armies and, and uh, the temple and King David and the Levitical law and Moses and the 10 commandments. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's been revealed to Israel, but who's, who's believed the message? And so he will go on in Isaiah 53 to just quickly tell you why the message was not very popular. Number one, he was plain and ordinary. And so I'm quoting Isaiah 53 as it goes down. And he's just simply going to say there's a reason that hardly anyone believed the message because they got the message and they didn't like the message. And here was what the message was. He had nothing attractive about him. He wasn't handsome. He didn't look good. He wasn't necessarily buff. He, he didn't, I mean, it, didn't, it did you no good to hang out with him in an immediate sense of gratification because he didn't give gifts and he didn't have a lot of money. When they said, when they had a question about paying taxes and he wanted uh, to uh, reach into his pocket and grab some money, he had to ask somebody, show me a coin. He didn't pull one out of his own pocket. And he tells people, yeah, one guy, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, right? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because 
uh, Jesus' answer to him showed that he was being disingenuous because the, Jesus answered to him, well, actually, we don't have a hotel room tonight. The foxes do. The birds of the air do. They've got some place to go. But me, the son of God, nope, I'm sorry. I've got no place to, to uh, lay my head. You still want to come with me? I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. Yeah, because I'm a famous guy and everybody's crowding around me right now. No, the message that Jesus comes, gentle, meek, laying down your life for others. You want to know who's great? This little boy's great. And anybody like him. And you want to know service to everybody? You make yourself a slave. That's greatness. And you know what? You make yourself like me. I came to give myself away as a ransom and to die, and the Gentiles are going to win, or so it appears. They're going to pluck out my beard. They're going to lash my back. They're going to crucify me. That was a message that they said, you know, no thanks, especially the part that says they're not just going to kill me, but if anybody wants to follow me, I say to you, you'll have to deny yourself. You'll have to pick up your cross, and you'll have to follow So yes, the arm of the Lord had been revealed clearly to them. They understood the facts, the imitation, who was asking. But they did not like the content of the message, which is not only true with just Israel, it's with every single person who chooses to remain in unbelief. It's not about what they're hearing or what they're thinking or what they're perceiving. It's simply about, I don't want to do it. That's what it is. And he knew. (laughs) He knew. (laughs) It's not that Israel didn't hear the message. They heard it loud and clear. They get it all the time. We're going to kill you. Why are you going to kill me? Because you are making yourself equal to God. Check. They got the claim. They got the message. They understood it. They didn't like it. Like in marital conflicts. You know, a lot of times people, husbands and wives out there, They'll say, you know what our problem is? We just have a communication problem. And then sometimes, if I feel led, I'll say something back to them like, you both speak English, right? Yeah. Are you fluent? Yes. Uh, Well, (laughs) I noticed that, and two of them were college uh, graduates. And I said, so you're very articulate. You're very smart. You both have graduated. Uh, one of you uh, grad school. This isn't at this church, obviously. <laughs> I'm smarter than that. Okay, so uh, a graduate degree, an undergraduate degree. I've understood every single thing you've ever said. <laughs> right? So there's not a communication problem. The problem is, and that just perpetuates your problem is to not know what the true problem is and put it on something that it isn't. The problem is you are great communicators. You just don't like what you're hearing and you're behaving accordingly like little children. What? Okay, I'm not talking to you. I was not talking to you. I was talking to them in the other church. Come on, you guys. Come on, you guys. You know me better than that excuses. And so what what happened? The king comes and says, hey, there's this big party I'm throwing. Would anybody like to go? And here's what they start doing. 
but they start making excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, so I have to go and see it. Yeah, I just purchased a field for a lot of money. I haven't seen it, but I bought it in faith. Now I'm going to go look at it. These are all lame excuses, excuses, excuses. Here's the same problem here. What fool would buy 10 oxen, right, and then try them out, you know, go make sure, you know, that they actually can walk. Yeah, you know, oh, please excuse me. And then another, the classic, oh, I care so much about my family. I've got to put my family before God. No, that doesn't work. If there's a God, he has to come first. And so excuses, excuses. And so here's what they said to Jesus. The party sounds fun. And yeah, who can deny that you've come from God? They told him that because nobody can do what you're doing. Except the thing that's required to get to the party, that whole cross thing. For you, it looks bad for us. We've got to crucify Messiah. And then you're saying that we need to pick up our cross and follow. Uh, You know, we'll pass on the party. And then Jesus says at the end, oh, then in the end, when there's a resurrection and there's an Uh, there's an exaltation and there's now not weakness but glory and honor and no more uh, cross-bearing and no more denying self but enjoying eternal pleasures at his right hand, then you are going to be at the door. Let me in, let me in, let me in. And he will say, why do you want to come in here? Did you have a change of heart? No, 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 no. You want to escape the bad consequences of your willful unbelief that shut you out. You weren't shut out. You shut yourself out because you didn't like the message and you didn't want to decrease so that he could increase. And so he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah, so they do come around, but they come around too late. And so go back to our text, would you, Spencer? Thank you. And he says, but I ask you, didn't they hear? Did did they hear? I mean, is it really a lack of information? Of course they heard. And now he says, their voice has gone out into all the earth, the words to the ends of the world. Let me show you the full quote that he's quoting here uh, from Psalm uh, 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they're always pouring forth. They're always speaking. The creation speaks. The solar system, the constellations, they're they're blanking a message. And what is their message? They speak French and German and Italian and uh, and 6,500 other dialects, which there are in the world. They're fluent. And here's what they say every single day and night. The sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, the order, the intent, the purpose, the design, the splendor. They're speaking. And God says they speak in each other's languages, all of our languages. What are they saying? There is a God. There is a God. There is a God. And so what he's saying here by quoting verse four, did Israel hear? He's saying in the same way that creation echoes forth a universal proclamation that there is a God. So too, when the God-man showed up on on a very small track of land the size of New Jersey, 
when he showed up raising people from the dead and speaking as very God, very God out of his mouth where people were stunned. It said in the Greek, they were beside themselves when he opened his mouth. Oh, they heard in that little track of 200 miles long, 65 miles wide. And Jesus, I have a map of everywhere Jesus went. He went everywhere. This is Israel. Not only that, he went up to Lebanon to uh, Tyre. He went over to up to Syria border, the border of Syria over here at Mount Hermon. He went down here to, this is Jordan. The half of this, Israel's divided in half here along the, the middle strip here. The left is Israel. The right is Jordan. He went to the Jordan, north and south, everywhere. And the crowds came from everywhere. So, so Isaiah's saying, just, and now it's been 2,000 years since the God-man did his thing. And that gospel has been ricocheted from Colossians chapter one, a little bit of hyperbole, but the gospel's preached to every creature already in the sense that it's gone worldwide. Even back in the first century to the then known world, it had ricocheted. And so is the question that people really just, that they just don't have enough information. He says, no, that's not the problem. You can go back to the text, Spence, there. Okay, so really, he just sums it up saying, if you think there's a lack of information or a problem hearing the full context of the message in any unbeliever, really, uh, then you're mistaken. It's not that. So maybe they heard, but they didn't understand. Let's go to the next and final part of the message here. So yes, 19 to, to to 21. So you guys read that, follow along with me. This is going to be very helpful to your understanding, this paraphrase. Okay, verse 19, but I'm going to ask you, maybe they just didn't understand the message. Not likely. Check out these two scriptures from the Old Testament. First, God is speaking, I'm still in 19. First, God speaking through Moses, I will make you Israelites in Meus, when other peoples who are totally clueless without biblical understanding or revelation, they will come to me and prosper. Verse 20, and Isaiah prophesies the same idea quite bluntly when he says, and God speaking, verse 20, I was found by people not even looking for me, not even trying. I revealed myself to those who weren't even asking. Verse 21, but Isaiah gives us the true verdict in every unbelieving heart. Here's what happened to Israel. God says, all day long, I have opened my arms to receive them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. So, as for the excuse I didn't get it, it's too confusing. I don't understand it. Well, yeah, there are parts that you cannot understand, but the gospel is so simple. You're wrong. God's right. 
There's a heaven, there's a hell. He died so that you wouldn't go to hell, but you need to cry out to him and ask forgiveness. That's part of the message. Nobody can say, I just say it again, because now wait a second, a heaven? What's a heaven? What's a hell? What's a cross? There, there's no complication. And so that excuse of not understanding. Now, here's his tact by quoting these two verses to kind of back those who say, I just have a problem understanding it. So he's going to say, well, let's take a look at people who did flock to God, i.e. the whole earth, and left you Israelites in the dark, claiming to not understand, perhaps. Okay, let's talk about people, he says. First of all, listen, my people, hear that first quote by Moses. In the future, people with a whole lot less understanding than you guys will come to me. All right? So here's he's coming to a church near you, Israel. <laughs> you know, people will come to Christ having no scripture knowledge at all, no knowledge of prophecies, no knowledge of Bible heroes, no creation account, no explanation of the fall, no temple worship, no Psalms, no King David, no prophets, no 1,400-year history of deliverance, no miraculous interventions, no Red Sea parting, and all of that. 21,145 verses to Israel of light. The message goes out to a world with none of that. Absolute darkness. And that's what happened from Jerusalem to Judea. Now we're getting darker with Samaria. And then to the utmost parts of the world outside of Samaria. When you leave Israel proper, you've got nothing. Thing. And those are the people where they opened wide their hearts. As soon as they heard it, it was like, aha, the truth, boom. So you go to pagan Turkey and to the Galatians, and then you go to pagan uh, Europe, and you go to the Philippians and the Thessalonians, and you go to the Corinthians. And churches are teeming with people praising who? Praising the Jewish Messiah, the God of Israel, while they have shut the doors on their Messiah, fully knowing the message because and now what indicts Israel about, I didn't understand, or any unbeliever, is those with less information are coming. And that's why Jesus will say, you know what? Talking to Israel, he goes, the men of Israel on Judgment Day, I've got saved people from Nineveh. Nineveh was the place of the cruelest people on earth, the Assyrians. And God said, I'm going to wipe them from the face of the earth. Jonah, go tell them that. So Jonah says, I don't want to talk to them. I, I know what will happen. <laughs> They'll repent and you'll save them. So <laughs> we can't have that. So, you know, he took, a, he took a ship in the other direction and God said, you know, Jonah, don't play this game. You're going to lose. <laughs> and so Jonah said, okay, I'll go and I'll tell him. And he comes into town and he goes, 40 days and this place is going to burn. And the king says, proclaim a fast. 
let us repent of our wickedness and perhaps this God will relent. And he did. So Jesus says to the Jews, those guys, my saved ones, my children from Nineveh who were worshiping the fish God, they didn't have one verse you had thousands of verses and they didn't have the son of God God in a body speaking and touching and walking on water in front of your very eyes you know when they had Jonah and he said somebody greater than Jonah is here oh they are going to condemn you with the greater knowledge who's saying I didn't understand what, what's that We'll we'll pull out one of them. How much understanding did you guys have in Nineveh with the fish God and no scriptures and no idea of creation and Jehovah or anything, Psalms, nothing. Because the basis for coming to Christ primarily isn't knowledge. It's that God has already spoken through creation. God is already working. He's already, you've already, they've already decided walking one way or the other. And so for anybody, even in America, man, when Americans say, I don't understand it, you may not understand some parts of it, but you get what I said, heaven, hell, cross, repent. That's pretty easy. Now, what if you say on judgment day, oh, I didn't know, I didn't understand it. And then I say, okay, you guys over there from Ecuador, the jungles, could you guys come over here and just, well, Gabriel, get him the microphone. And so, you know, the guys from the jungles with the bones through their noses, the paint on their faces, and, and just they didn't have anything. And they were, they were overflowing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What happened there? You had a church on every corner. You had 2,000 years of church history. You had conscience. You had the internet. (laughs) And the guy with the bone through the nose won several villages for Christ. What are you saying you didn't understand? That's not going to go over very well at all. You see, we all make excuses, don't we? We all make excuses. And wow, you go to these places and you understand they had very little knowledge. And yet they repented because that's what the truth does. And so I close with this illustration. Here's the practical application that I want to pass along to you with your gospel efforts to reach people for Christ. This will really help you. Stop thinking like the problem is information. There might be a little bit. The problem is an information. They got the information. They don't like the information. So what you have to work on, instead of more words, more information to bring on the persuasion to surrender to the truth they already know. Now, you don't have to verbalize that. I'm telling you as a family secret that we know they know. And you have to work on that 
instead of uh, the whole story over and over again. Work on the excuse. Go after the, the, the persuade them uh, of their guilt in knowing and yet not yielding. So I was at the Sebastopol Community Center with our church because that's where we were meeting. And then after one of the services, I had been taking one guy to lunch, an older gentleman, you know, uh, we went to lunch a few times. He had a lot of questions. And uh, after the service, he was standing by the door. And I like to go out to the door and greet people. And I was greeting. And I just started talking to him again. And he, I said to him, uh, so, so come on, that sermon was so clear. Come on. It answered all the questions you had at lunch. It's time, brother. And he said, what about those in the deep, dark regions of, you know, name a country, the pygmies. We always pick on the pygmies. <laughs> what about the pygmies? And I said to him, and this is before the Lord. I said, listen, brother, are you really going to tell me you your concern today is about the pygmies and one of them perishing because now if I could answer your question fully, then you're going to tell me that you were going to repent right now because that's your block. And then here comes the other thing. Well, I got a lot of other questions too. Well, that's what they say. So I said, listen, is it that you just don't want to submit yourself to a Lord and bow the knee? Or do you really care about the pygmies? And he started to cry. We hit a gusher vein in there. And he said, I've been running for a long, long time, as has every single unbeliever that you know. They've been running in full knowledge. They have suppressed that so it's not quite clear. They are running from the truth they already know. Your job is more, here it is, more prayer, more prayer. It's a spiritual problem. God has to open their eyes. God has to soften their heart. And you come in already with the knowledge they know enough today. They know enough today. Let's start working on all the wonderful benefits of a clean conscience and being right with God. Amen? Amen. Let's go into communion time. Won't we have the ushers come on up here? And if anything can ever soften the heart, that's the other thing, is to talk about the love of Jesus and the cross and, and the totality of our guilt and our shame and our sins being covered by the God-man bleeding and dying on our behalf. Let's pray together while we get set up here. Now, Father God, as we... Transition now into communion. That is really the crux and the heartbeat of the gospel, that the demonstration of your great love for us, God. A love that can conquer all of that rebellion and uh, self-serving wickedness that we do, God. And we're thankful that most of us in this room have been convinced to lay down our struggles and our obstinance and come to know you. So Lord, remind us again of your great love as we partake of communion and 
and help us to be wise, patient, kind, and loving with those who have heard and have understood but simply have rejected for now what they know to be true. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.